Welcome to Cannabis Business Minds Podcast with your host, Simone Samaluka Radzins. Join me where I'll take you inside the ins and outs of this brand new and exciting business called cannabis. Connect with me on Calagia.com and follow us on social media as well. And here's today's show. So on today's show, we have the opportunity to talk with one of the most widely recognized female personalities in cannabis. According to Inc.com, Jane West isn't in the cannabis business. She's in the empire business. With a reach of more than 4.0 million followers, Jane West has appeared on NPR, Forbes, Mary Claire, Viceland, Elle, and so many more. She's an international speaker who I had the pleasure of speaking with in Prague in 2017. She's a mom. She's an entrepreneur. She has had multiple companies, which we get to talk to a little bit more on this show. But above all, she's a motivator for entrepreneurs and for women in the cannabis space. Jane, welcome to the show. Wow. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. This is so fun to do. Um, And thank you for the intro. Yes, yes. Well, I know we don't have so much time and your resume is just so impressive. And I'm like, oh my God, how, how can I get out everything and how people can learn about you if they first mm-hmm. don't know about you. But mm-hmm. before we talk about business, mm-hmm. I was hoping that you could explain your entrepreneurial journey. Like how did you get in the cannabis space? Like how did you get to that amazing intro? <laughs> um, so I think the, the most important thing to learn about me um, because there are, I have been a lot of, a lot of the things I have done have been newsworthy and I have been a lot of, have had, had a lot of media coverage, but, um, I, five years ago today, I was not in the cannabis industry. I was a middle manager for a company in corporate America. I was not part of legalization in any way. And I didn't own, I didn't know a single person that worked in marijuana five years ago today. Um, and in the fall of 2013, as adult use cannabis became a a legal reality in Colorado, I started a company uh, that called Edible Events that was just going to host once a month cannabis-friendly events in private art galleries with live music and live chefs making food in front of you that's like seasonal and appropriate to the event theme. We had like one that was all Asian food called Me So Hungry. Um, we, our Valentine's event was called The Threesome with Mary Jane. Um, and the whole purpose was just to have like normalized use as adult rec became legal because I, I love cannabis and I'm a daily consumer and uh, I think it's a healthy habit and I would love to be able to go to an event on a Friday night with my husband dressed up and also smoke, smoke pot there. Mm-hmm. So that was just, that was it. I was just, some, it was a simple once a month, um, event then, and, and having been a professional event planner, I have my master's degree in social work and I was a pro- professional event planner for different nonprofits. And, um, you know, I, it was a fun way to kind of, but both of my kids had just started going back to school or back to school. They both started school full time, like eight to three every day. Um, and I had a little bit more time on my hands. I was still working full time for my previous company. And, um, yeah. And so I started this small event series and that was the first step I took. Um, that event series resulted in a wave of media that, um, I couldn't have even imagined. Like I had never done like a television interview before in my life or anything like that. And the very first event I ever held, um, because it was neither worthy worthy and because there was a buzz around it. And honestly, because 
you know, Colorado, I was at the right place at the right time. Like Colorado legalized adult use marijuana in January of 2014 and over 20 businesses opened their doors and started selling cannabis. And it was extremely newsworthy to the point that Al Jazeera and CNBC and all of these major outlets were in Denver, Colorado. And after you take a few pictures of a dispensary and take pictures of a grow, you know, what else is there to cover? And so everyone found out about this event on January 24th called, you know, end of prohibition at an art gallery and everyone there's going to be smoking pot and you can take pictures. And so we had so many news outlets at that event. Um, and so that was like my, that was the first thing I had done. <laughs> That's a good way to start. <laughs> I know, but then everything got crazy because I, it, 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 all the media result, the, the media was so um, notable and, and there were so many ripple effects that, that within six weeks, I actually was asked to leave my job in corporate America <laughs> because of one of the big news stories. So um, then I found myself on the edge of this nascent industry that was still very much like in, in the very beginning stages, there was not like HR, there was not a way to like find a specific job or necessarily even like be on someone's payroll. And I found myself in the need of a full-time position very quickly. Um, and then, and on, the, on the event side, I had done some more newsworthy things in terms of partnering with the Colorado Symphony Orchestra to host the events as like fundraisers. Um, and we did an event at Red Rocks and, and that was all amazing, um, called on a high note. Um, and that kept getting great news coverage, but the city really, and the city and the state of Denver really made it super clear that social use was not in our near future. Um, and they made efforts and made it extremely difficult for us to hold events. So the events started to get more on the back burner. Um, and instead I was leveraging this new platform I had found, um, to start figuring out what my ne next step was in the industry. And, um, that was with starting women grow. So mm -hmm. As a result of of the of the whole like media tornado that happened uh, in January of 2014, um, a lot of people you know were clicking on my LinkedIn profile and asking me about how I got into the industry and they want to do what I'm doing and they want to start an event company like me and and I, at the time I was like I don't do not ask me like I wasn't part of legalizing I I, I my events I think are you know are about to be deemed illegal by the state, which they were basically. And I just got fired from my job. In <laughs> so I am not the person to be asking. But um, at the time, you know, by then I had met dozens of incredible women in the industry who were like so inspiring and totally like startup mode, doing it for themselves, knowing like, like what they wanted to create and the products they wanted to make. And, and it was amazing. And they weren't, but they were definitely inspiring me. And so by, I wanted to connect those women better. There wasn't like a, a network for women. There wasn't a way to like, um, you know, connect with other people in the industry. And at the time in 2014, most of the networking events were actually part of like trade group associations and things that you needed, you know, thousands of dollars for to even be invited to. So there really wasn't a way to network either. Um, and so by having people, so I started looking at how other industries that have even worse <laughs> gender disparities than, than cannabis, um, like tech and, and v, cap, capital finance and basically everything, everything. Mm -hmm. So I started looking at how other industries were trying to fix this problem. And so I came upon a company called Women 2.0. And so Women 2.0 is trying to change the gender disparity in tech by um, having women connect on, a, on the first Thursday of every month in many different cities nationwide. 
And, um, and so, and that seemed like a really good model to me, especially because um, as far as I could tell at the time, and I, I still do believe that the end of marijuana legalization is, is a local issue. Like you need to know your local government and your local officials. And, and they're the ones that are going to decide where your stores get to go and what hours you get to be open and what products you're carrying and who you can sell to. And so if you really want to be involved in the business, you need to get involved on a local level. And so that is um, why I wanted women to connect on that local level um, via women grow on the first Thursday of every month in these different cities. And so um, we spoke with the founders <clears throat> of women 2.0 about how they started their company and advice they would give to us. And then, and I also identified uh, Jasmine Hop, mm -hmm. who is my co-founder for women grow who worked at women 2.0 for a time. And so um, it was, or worked with them. And so it was, so she had like, you know, a really good sense of how we could do this digitally, which I had absolutely zero. I mean, the company I got, the company to let me go. I just had a, I had had a Blackberry from them for the past eight years. I didn't have, have an iPhone. I'd never had an Instagram account or a Twitter account. I didn't, ever, didn't do any of that stuff. So, um, so it was great because I learned so much from her and, and just watching her perform and her skill set um, using, you know, technology and um, all these different social media platforms as a medium to grow the business. Um, and so we, you know, put our heads together and worked together on Women Grow um, for about 18 months, you know, we both knew it wasn't something we were going to do forever, but we both were so passionate about wanting to exist. And then along the way, you just, we picked up this like global network of just the best women that I just love so much. And so, and then that kept you going too, you know, every new like meeting you had or, or networking event where you meet this whole other group of great people um, you know, it just, it kept expanding our horizons in a way that just, you just, it seemed like limitless. So, um, so we dedicated ourselves to it and then, you know, hired up a next team of staff. Kay Garcia, the current CEO of Women Grow was with us from pretty much, pretty much the beginning in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she, and she's the CEO now. Um, then I, I just, um, I left Women Grow in 2016 in great hands, um, to move on to, um, we're focused entirely on the, on building out the Jane West brand and really starting the product line. Um, and then most recently this year, um, right before the, the fourth annual, third, one, two, the fourth annual women grow summit, um, in Denver, Colorado. Um, I, I stepped down as chairwoman of the board and now, um, Dr. Sean Damasius, um, who runs the DC, holistic healing center. It's a dispensary right in DuPont circle. Uh, um, is she is now the chairwoman of women grow. Well, then you had time to focus on your own brand. Yes. yes. You know? And mm -hmm. so I did have some questions. Like I think that so many entrepreneurs have these ideas and they're like, okay, mm -hmm. this is a concept and I need to get momentum. Like I think everything, mm -hmm. when you're really in the hustle, it's getting the momentum, getting it going, being able to, mm -hmm scale quick, all that kind of stuff. And so with, with women grow, like what was your secret sauce to get mm. that idea of, Hey, I want to connect with women. I'm going to, I'm good at events. I'm going to connect these women to getting this international, you know, following and network, which is the mm -hmm. largest professional network in the world. I think it is cannabis. in cannabis. It is yeah. definitely in cannabis un undeniably. Um, you know, honestly, 
with the success of any business, it's all about product market fit. And there was a immense untapped demand for women to connect around cannabis in some way, shape or form, whether that's professionally, whether that's learning more, whether that's education. And that's the best part of the way we've modeled a lot of the women grow events is that like that, that at the networking event, there's a speaker and that speaker is, is educating people about something that is appropriate to that local market. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a learning component there that also over time has given up. I mean, over, over 50,000 people have attended Women Crow events since, we, since it launched. That's and, and that's provided a platform for educators in the space who didn't necessarily have a place where once a month everyone gets together and talks about how to make weed legal here or how cannabis can help your life or how like all these different yeah. topics that are so appropriate. Um, and so... Um, so it's really about product market fit at the end of the day. And, you know, we provided a product like this, this social in the super high touch social networking, you know, literally in person, social networking, yeah. literally yeah. Social the real form of networking, networking. I think, actually. like talking to people. <laughs> um, and, um, and we tried to make it as simple and replicable as possible for everyone involved, like it's on the first Thursday. It's about at the same time. There's a general format that it's always followed, you know, and then, and then the demand was there at the end of the day. The, the secret is, is that we tap, we, there was an, a completely untapped unmet need of incredible women that wanted to be part of this industry in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. No. So there's not a secret. The secret is finding perfect product market fit and also like just being in the right place at the right time. And then also just working all the time. Yes. <laughs> That's like the first secret. It's the hustle. It's right. grit. I think of being an entrepreneur and I, you're right. Like everything is about opportunity and you were solving a problem. Yep. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so we yeah. did have a question before. Also, we went- one oh, other yeah. component of it was that we were solving a problem, but we were also helping people solve their problem, their own problems themselves. You know, they came to the meetings, they had their resumes, they were ready to like, they knew what they wanted to try to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And you get out of it what you put into it. And so one of the things that I think is powerful about Women Grow Meetings is how often people come like prepared to really get something out of this. Yeah. You know, and so they do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not us. It's, for, it's about preparation and that's what they do. And then you see what happens when you actually are intentional and strategic about each day of your life. Yeah. Oh, one, well, it's so true. I mean, when you mm-hmm. actually, you know, we can all think that we're being leaders, but when you actually do the self-assessment and you're like, did I really try that hard? Could I be more <laughs> effective? You know, I think it's like, it, mm-hmm. all of us are like, no, I could, I could be way better. And you're so right. Like, if you put a hundred percent in, you get hopefully more than a hundred percent. Yes. I agree. So one question, I think that's a little bit alarming for me, you know, cause I've been doing some summits and like I do all the Calogia networking events is the decline in women CEOs. Mm-hmm. And I know that you, and this will kind of segue also into kind of your business. You have, you know, 80% of your employees and your workforce and your mm-hmm. career is women and minority owned. Mm-hmm. So I just want to be clear. Yeah. Um, okay, wait, eight, my company, can yes. you ask the question again differently just so it's a, right. Um, I don't have any employees. It's just Jesse and I, oh. but, but my company is 80% held by oh. women and people of color. So the company is owned yes. 80% by women and people of color. 
that I mean, that's you. I just don't want to misinform anyone. Thank that you. Okay. 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 Thanks. You asked it start over because it was good. But so, but because, so a, that was just a kudos because you're preaching what you're doing. You know what I yes, mean? Totally. Um, but my concern is that, you know, in two years, this percentage of CEOs has declined drastically. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Uh, in this space. And I know that you, I guess I wanted to know what your thoughts are and like mm. what kind of solutions do you see and why do you think this, that's a huge drop. Like, right. if, you're like, like if you're talking about sales, that's a huge drop. Any, no, any totally that's a huge drop, right? Yeah. I mean, I, the answer is the, the most difficult solution, but at the end of the day, we just have to build these companies all by ourselves and find women and, 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 and people like that support us to invest in us and literally just show everyone exactly what happens when you take the reins and run these companies and corporations yourselves and like show them through action. Cause at the end of the day, you know what? I don't know how to fix it. I thought I did. <laughs> I thought, like I thought I, I did my best. Like I definitely invested my best into trying to, you know, change the way some of these industries formed at their very way, way some of these communities formed at their very inception. Um, and, and I totally understand what you see and I wish there was better data, but no one really cares about collecting the best data. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but I totally understand what you see and I'm, I feel like I'm seeing the same thing. And my only solution is, well, then we need more female financiers and we need more people of color financing us that totally understand, you know, that, that we, that female and diversely. Okay. First of all, female led companies, we know based on data collected from in, in main, in mainstream corporate America um, are, are more successful overall. Um, and then, Wait, what's the other figure? Don't quote me on all of these because I don't have. I know if I normally never start quoting facts until <laughs> I, until until I like, know what the thing is. Right, but for the most part, um, my point is just that we know that diverse teams succeed, and I've always believed that in my life. That's what I mean, and we know that. And so once we start proving that, then it'll be undeniable, and hopefully, hopefully soon when we start looking, like hopefully when you look at an entire like group of speaking events or, or an entire company and the entire board of that company, you know, hopefully we start automatically, we all start asking whether you're a white man or a black woman, you're looking at this and you're wondering why isn't there more diversity here? Mm -hmm. You know? And at the end of the day, I, I just have this belief that we can start um, winning the minority and female led businesses. And also, and also, also uh, when I, I, we need to start talking about the fact that like, if you don't have access to capital, you can't build your business no matter who you are. And so like people who don't traditionally have access to capital, their ability to build their businesses as well. Um, okay. At the end of the day, I've, I feel, I feel optimistic about the future of cannabis. And this comes into the, where the equity crowdfunding part. And yeah. it's because, Oh, sorry, I should have turned that off. <laughs> and it's because if we can start having people ask right now, consumers, mm -hmm. if, the power of the dollar is so amazing. And with something that consumers underestimate across the board, we just think it is what it is. We don't realize that like we're buying things and shaping things with our dollar as customers. And if we can help customers understand that now that your dollar matters and you should be asking right now, 
what, who, who runs this business that, that, that sells this cannabis? Who, you know, where did this cannabis come from? And what are those, what is that, what are those business owners like? And how do they give back to the community? And like, if we start asking those questions right now as consumers and make it clear that we care, we care about these businesses. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, especially because of the way regulations are in the United States, these are local businesses. Yeah. These are, so um, we should care no matter what. Um, and, and there are a lot of local businesses in the U S that are doing really well with equity crowdfunding, whether they be a craft brewery or, or something else. And so, you know, this is a way for your customers that come into your store every single day and whether you're the edibles company that they're buying or whether you're the dispensary that they're buying from, this is a way for them to actually own a stake in the company. Yes. Um, you know, I'm from Denver, Colorado and, and REI has a really cool kind of like member-based business model where you get dividends. You know, I'm a member of REI. I buy all my outdoor gear there. I've got two growing boys and, uh, and I get a dividend check at the end of every year. And I have such a higher level of customer dedication to REI than any other um, company in Denver, really, in that realm. And so, and it's because of that, because I'm like part of that company. I feel like I'm part of that company. And so, um, yeah, well, as yeah. consumers, we buy experiences. It's like, yep. I, was, I was at the natural food product show, which I don't know if you've been, cause I want to talk to you a little bit more about products, but mm-hmm. there was a stat with Nielsen, 63% of, um, of customers buy because of a company sustainable, right? We're buying mission. Yes. We're buying into why Simon Sinek says this. I mean, it's true. I think that's where it's evolving. And then also with this more collaborative model of the true cooperative, right? Like you're actually yep. participating. Yep. Yes. Will you, will you talk a little bit about why you decided to take such an innovative approach to raising capital for your business? And, um, you know, you didn't go the VC route. You didn't go the private equity. You didn't go the angel mm-hmm. you went to crowdfunding, which mm-hmm. is super cool. And in the cannabis mm-hmm. space, I'm curious if you're a pioneer. Mm-hmm. Because um, I don't many I don't know many companies that have have gone that route. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so um, to be clear, I already have raised over a million dollars from venture capital, and it was my least favorite part of building all the businesses I've built. Um, at the end of the day, I was investing so much time into. Um, meetings and and developments and things that I, I didn't have necessarily control over. And it, and I was only really making an impact on one person or a few people. And if they, if they decided, you know, that they didn't want to invest in all, I mean, and other than the fact that it does help narrow your business model and, and when you meet really good investors that are actually additive and, and, and uh, ask really good questions that, you need to find the answers out for to run a really strong business. Like all of that is beneficial and it's all part of the road. But um, as I was raising that capital, I, I the whole time I, I was just disappointed that there wasn't a better option where the people within my tribe and my colleagues and, you know, could, could invest in my company in an easy way. And, and so because of Obama's jobs act, um, and the uh, safe agreements, which is what is on uh, on Republic, um, it's uh, it's solved that problem. I don't think I'm allowed to say safe agreements, actually. So, um, so because of the Jobs Act that Obama passed, I'm able to host my company on a crowdfunding site 
like Republic. And that's where people can go invest in my company for as little as $25 and be along for the ride. And on Republic, I, it's even more fun for me because now our products. So the first million dollars that I raised was how I was able to bring 27 different products to market. Mm -hmm. um, and our fulfillment center here in Broomfield, Colorado holds all that inventory and um, sales just started six weeks ago. So, um, so now this next round of capital I'm raising on, on, on Republic doing equity crowdfunding for all, I mean, the number of reasons I'm doing equity crowdfunding is like <laughs> limitless. Like it's so great. And people are reading so much more about my brand and understanding the vision of why we're making these products in this very intentional way with the collection and the glass, are, you know, it's meant to be home goods around your home that you know, are monochromatic and look great with everything else and you bring out when you have you know, guests over and the accessories um, and dugouts are meant for like on the go use. And then um, we're partnering with all of my favorite growers and producers, you know, and, and bringing um, and, and licensing the use of our name to different cannabis products. So um, it's exciting to be able to offer that entire entourage of, 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 of products, but also like the whole goal was to make the can the cannabis consumption experience, which really is like a ritual. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there, it's, it's more sophisticated than drinking a beer. <laughs> it's, it's more than that. And so, um, really just making it what I hope it can be, um, in the legal future and, um, making glassware and items for around her home that look, and feel like they belong there and all of those of those components that are important um to be part of the lifestyle of if when you're incorporating cannabis into your life yes well and so it seems like this is like a natural evolution right so you start with events women grow yep. and then you i feel like you found your your market you found your tribe and it seems like mm -hmm. Just from getting to know you for the short amount of time, I feel like you create things that you want, right? You're like, that is I, true. I, and, but that, but that means that you're very in tune with who your customer base is. Mm -hmm. right? I guess I'd like you to just explain a little bit more about this new business. And, mm -hmm. you know, it looks like you're doing branded cannabis accessories, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. all toward cannabis women who it seems like you really understand some of our pain points and people mm -hmm. that want to get into this space from mm -hmm. a consumer perspective. Mm -hmm. How did you decide to start this? How did you decide to take this leap? And what was the process for you to get that idea to launch? Mm -hmm. And then you're international and to be able to have that international mm -hmm. component to it. Mm -hmm. Well, um, to be clear, one of the things that I try to identify in all of my initiatives is something truly new. Mm -hmm. um, and with the cannabis events, it was really something that at the time, no, nobody else was doing. Now Kendall's, did, there's great groups doing great stuff, but at the time really no one else was doing it, which also made it newsworthy. Um, which in the, like, and at the time I underestimated the value of that. Um, but then, you know, again, with women grow at the time, no one was organizing women like that in the cannabis industry at a time when there were so many people that wanted to get in the cannabis industry on a professional level, um, that it was just the right, you know, time and place. And that was something new. Um, and you know, there's, a, there's so many incredible women in the space that are currently growing and making wonderful infused products. And you know, they, that's what they do. I don't, I don't need to start doing that. I'll partner with them, but they've got that down. 
you know, incredible topicals lines and everything. So what do I want to do that's, that's new, that's really my own thing, you know? And I, my list of product and ideas started growing, you know, long before I started any of this. Like I've always loved smoking cannabis flower. And so like, I wanted a shorter bong. I wanted a, a different grinder. I want, like there are things that I've tried to use items around my home and a lot of different culinary accessories that work, but like to like do different things. And so I had an idea of the type of things I wanted to bring into the world. And then when I started putting the events together, especially in 2014, you know, I wanted a bong bar that was gorgeous. <laughs> and, and, and I couldn't find glass accessories that reflected my aesthetic, period. And I knew exactly what in my mind what I wanted. I don't want a round bottom. I want a bottom that looks like a decanter. I don't want it to be bigger. Like at the end, uh, especially with the bong, with the, bong, the line of bongs, like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I argue, I would have to argue. And of course this is my opinion, but, um, I, my bong is the perfect size. It is basically the size and shape of your esophagus. And if you're really looking for like a really great hit of cannabis, through a water filtration system, um, in a bong hit, you should, you have it be as dense as possible. So if there's a bong tube that is wider or longer than your own esophagus, then all you're doing is dissipating the air Mm. and then trying to suck it back in, which just isn't going to happen. So, um, there were thoughts that I've I've had about different products and the, and why and reasonings behind the, um, utility and functionality of them, um, that I was excited to be able to apply to this space. And so, um, so that's how, <laughs> so the, how did I get there? Uh, that additionally, if you're going to make a really high quality product, I, I wanted to make some things that were replicable. Um, at, you, because I had had glass pieces in the past that I loved. And as soon as they were broken, they're gone. I can't get them again. You got to go back to walk through this like gallery format at a head shop to try to find another pipe that looks like the one you liked, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I wanted something that was definitely replicable. I, and I like having things in different colors. I bring things out seasonally at my house. So um, being able to offer the products in a monochromatic palette where you're like, I like the green one. I want the red one. And like all, all of those things were um, different components that I wanted to be, or, or different parts that I wanted my products to be able to offer. And so, um, so we just narrowed this list of, this giant different list of product ideas down to what really felt like a solid collection and then double checked the like functionality of each of the products against each other. Like, does this make sense? Would you buy this and also buy this? Would you buy this and not buy this? Like what, what would really like complete someone's um, collection? And, um, and I feel like we, I really, really feel solid. I feel so solid about the products we've made that I'm so happy that right now we're just excited to make more of them and make them in different colors. Like that's how, so that, that's, that makes me really happy. Um, we, you know, we just started sales this year, this calendar year. Um, and just barely like the, the first actual order was placed through the, our official wholesale system, um, last week. Um, but it's great to just be thinking about getting, ordering this in more colors and expanding that via sales and knowing that there's demand for these products um, has been the best part. Being at the, we went to Champs, which is the largest B2B trade show in the space with the products. And it was just great. People were just super, like they had a huge smile on their face. Uh, if they got it, they got it. If they got it, then they were like, oh, 
oh, and they wanted it. And like one guy wanted to come back and like buy it for like three times the price, <laughs> but it was a sample. It was just, so like if they got it, they got it. And that was like really, really redeeming. And it was great to see that. So um, it makes me really excited about, about the future. Yeah. So what markets are you in? Like, are you international in this, in this so, venture or just with the women grow? Like how's the international stuff been going? So um, we brought the collection to market in two different waves. And the first wave was our glass collection, which is actually a collaboration with Grav, which is an Austin based glass company. And in my opinion, the premier um, glass maker in the space, like scientific grade products. And so um, the first line of products were, is um, more of a joint venture with Grav. And so they do, they, they place my products into their catalog and they place my products on the shelves that they sell their, all of their other amazing products on. And so that was a great first step because it showed me a lot about um, the distribution chain and how this really works and how you get products on shelves and how many salespeople you need for a catalog that's 80 pages long and like just all sorts of things that I learned um, by watching a team that had been doing it for over a decade. Um, and so, and then, so, so the glass has been selling now for over a year. We started with cobalt blue um, and then just brought it to market in cloud, which is basically like white, but it's not really opaque. So it's more cloud. And then, um, now we're selling it, um, in mint, which is this really great mm-hmm. color, kind of like a jade. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so Grav is producing that glass and our designs, um, and selling it. And then, so now, oh, okay. So that was the, yeah. So what was the question? <laughs> Sorry, I started thinking about the bone. The question was like kind of the evolution of everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Oh, right. So the glass, so the glass is selling well and, you know, we got a good reception with it and it also placed our um, trademark and our, our brand on all these store shelves in a way that I wasn't able to do at the time with just with my small team. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, by leveraging that partnership, it, it really taught us a lot about how we can bring our own proprietary products to market, which is the collection. Um, so the collection is the compact, the one, the classic and the solo. And that, and the collection is really the, the products I really, really wanted to make from the very beginning. Like I had this little container in my pocket mm-hmm. uh, that is now known <laughs> throughout the industry and all of my friends as the weekender. Uh, Cause it was like my first little product and it's how I found Grav. I, I put little glass branded one headers in them. So they fit like perfectly. And that's how I started talking to Dave about making more glass items. Um, but so I made this little tiny plastic container that at first I called the compact, but then I was like, no, this is just the weekender. This isn't fancy enough to be the compact. <laughs> and it looked like something I purchased from a container. I purchased from the container store. And on one side you hold a lighter and a one hitter and, and, and something to pick the one hitter out, which most of the time for us is like a, bobby pin or a paper clip um but now i have this nice stainless steel multi-tool which is very nice to use on lots of things um and then um so anyways it was a lighter a glass one hitter something to clean out the one hitter and then on the other side of the container there were five different little compartments where you could put different varietals um and so that was the weekender and the first little product i made um and from going through, so, so I, the weekender led me to 
and, and the utility of it and how much people enjoyed it, how they liked being able to have different chambers for flour. And also just like one, I just really love using um, dugouts because especially with the quality of cannabis that's available in the market today, like you, you don't need to consume a lot um, in order to really enjoy the experience and others enjoy consuming it in smaller dose. If they're, you know, if they have a whatever work lifestyle that they can, they can consume cannabis throughout the day. It's nice to have just a very small amount um, and go back to work or work on your project. You know, people utilize um, the effects of cannabis to get more into their yoga practice um, and all sorts of different um, ways that we're incorporating into our lives. So being able to put it in and just consume a small amount of it on the go is yeah. super, it's super handy. I'll tell you. Um, yeah. So I knew I wanted the functionality and the, you know, you like to be able to utilize this product to consume just a small amount of cannabis flower on the go. And that it would be a lot like the functionality of the dugouts that are on the market right now. But I just, I wanted them, it to look and feel differently. I wanted it to be more of a complete kit, which is what the compact is. It's a, a lighter and a one hitter and then the pick. And then there's a little chamber inside and that chamber has two, a division. So there's a side for day and a side for night. Um, and there's a mirror inside and, and what I love about like the compact is you can like reach in your purse and pull it out and you don't, you're not shuffling around for a lighter and the jar and something else. Yeah, like, that's a point. Yeah. You have everything you need in your hands and, um, yeah. And I'm really, I'm could not be happier with the way the collection has turned out. Oh, congratulate. I mean, congratulations. I think people are like, Oh, where can I get one? And so that's actually the question is like, what markets are you in online? Oh, um, where are you? Like, where can people find these one hitters, compacts, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So, um, you go, you can go to Jane, go to janewest.com is mm -hmm. where we send all traffic to find, to find where to buy the items. We don't actually sell them at janewest.com. Um, but, we are, because I'm a products company, I'm selling the products to distributors and wholesalers. Um, and so there's lots of places to get them. I mean, I've been working up these relationships with whether it's um, some smaller head shops and smoke shops on a local level in, all, in many different states. I mean, actually, I should, I'll get you some data. Oh, yeah, you, data. you can read it because I, because I, I bet the answer is actually really pretty good right now. Because when we went to champs, I mean, I was talking to people in Florida and Maine and Canada and Mexico that all carry my glass already. Um, and you know, but I just, because that sales um, side wasn't on, wasn't part of our CRM system until just recently. Um, I didn't even realize how much, how many people had been carrying the glass. So um, we are in many, many, the glass is available internationally and in many locations online. And um, the, the, the collection mm -hmm. is just starting to tap into the distributor and wholesale markets that we've been working up um, for the past couple of months. So oh, you will see them soon. Oh, you'll see them soon in many, many places. So oh, nice. Yes. All right. We're almost like out of time. So I okay, have a few questions for the mm -hmm. speed round, but yes. before we get there, um, what's for you, what's the best part of what you're doing? Like you're your own boss. What do you love? Like you're doing this every day. Like what's your thing? What drives you? Um, I think the best thing is that nothing has to drive me. Like I want to get back to work on um, the things that I'm working on. 
And I really like, I love the people that I've surrounded myself with and I love my, what, what we're doing. So, I mean, that's it. Yeah. Like, it's not so much that there's some other extenuating thing that's driving me. It's more just that this is every day what I'm doing, even though like, you know, I mean, for the past couple of weeks, I've been like on the phone explaining the business to, you know, um, smaller investors and like over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> but I, I love it was great. It was awesome. It was really like good feedback loops. I was learning more about what people think of us from like Chicago to Spain. And, um, it all, it did all, all those conversations just helped me, you know, fine tune the business and build the brand. And so, and I love it. And so if, you know, I'm ever end up doing things like raising capital from VCs <laughs> where I'm like, Oh wow, this doesn't feel productive. <laughs> this feels like, this could go on forever and I don't know what kind of returns I'm getting. I mean, talk about ROI and I don't know, you know what I, and so I knew that was something I wanted to change. And so I just keep doing the things that I'm passionate about that help build the brand and build my team and empower my team members to do better and, and to bring what we have, the vision we have for this space to the world. Then that's like what we're doing. That's what we do each day. Yes. All right. That's a good answer. What's one piece of advice for someone that would be just getting into the cannabis industry? 2018. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Um, my biggest piece of advice would be that there's still so much uncertainty in the space um, that even if you know you find a business or find a partner or find a, an idea that you're really dedicated to, things could change really quickly. Uh, whether it's regulatory in a regulatory environment or a legal environment. Um, that, that, and you have to stay super agile. Um, and because of that, you should really think about what you want to do. What are you building here? Like every person you work with and what you do yourself in at, for that business or in that space, like that's your work. Um, cause things are going to change. And you know, in, in the, in the less than five years I've been here, I've seen a lot of people flow through different businesses and different titles and, and it's not because they couldn't keep a job. It's because that, you know, that business didn't work out and this other thing changed and then they got bought by this other group. And so all along the way, I feel like the people that have been the most successful are the ones that are both, that are the most personally memorable about the kind of work they do and how they interact with the people around them. And so just remember that like as much as you're working for a company and you're reflecting whatever that company's brand is and and work culture is like you are your own brand too. And you need to look out for yourself and make sure that, you know, everything that you're doing in this space reflects the kind of company you want to see and want to work for. Yes. What's the biggest challenge business wise that you've faced over these first, these five years? I think the biggest challenge in the space especially for people who have like a vision mm-hmm. of what it should look like is, is staying true. Is it, you have to dance this fine line between explaining your idea to other people so that they understand it. Cause you need to explain it to make it a reality while also staying true to it as you receive feedback and criticism and what people may want to do and turn your idea into. So you're constantly this like fine line between, you know, what you, because, because there's so, it's just such a, 
it's a, it's a double-edged sword here. There's a blue ocean of opportunity, <laughs> but it's kind of like monochromatic. Like there's so much opportunity that you have to like be able to find your like star in the night sky and start going towards that direction and know like why you're doing that and why you're going that way. Um, and, and keep talking about what you're doing and sharing what you're doing and building what you're doing. Um, but, um, also, you know, you're going to, you have to like adjust to other, now I'm going full circle. <laughs> also, you have to, you have to stay true to what you want to build and find the other people that want to build it with you, yes. um, and stay on your path because that's the, one of the most difficult things in an industry that's this nascent is just bringing ideas to a reality. Um, you need a team, an entirely huge team of people to do it. And that team of people needs to understand what you're building. Um, and at the same time, you need to take into account their input and thoughts and creativity and what they want to see it to be too. And that's just hard, um, just navigating that always. But um, I think that's always going to be a challenge. And it's just particularly so here where there's not all these comps and there's not all these ways other businesses to look at to be like, oh, we're the travelocity of Airbnb and the company of something else. Like mm-hmm. these are all brand new ways to, um, to these are all brand new products and, and brand new industries in these states. And, and that goes right down to the agricultural level of like from the growers and the genetics and the processing and the products and the distribution and the retail stores and the ultimate customer experience, like all of that is being established right now in these businesses. And so, um, we need a lot of great vision and dedication um, and big teams that can work together really well. So, yeah. yeah. Last question. Where do you want to be a year from now? A year from now, we will have just been a revenue generating company for one year because we just started our first wholesale sales this month. And so um, the thing I'm most excited about then is then I'm operating the business. Like I get to look at the sales data and we get to look at customer feedback and we'll have like so much more um, information and, and in- feedback from customers to be able to tailor what we're doing. Like thus far, we've brought to a reality what we think, you know, what I want to have around my home and the types of products that I want to carry on me. But with every single order we get, we know that more and more people love our products and want to try them and want to incorporate cannabis into their lives. So by a year from now, we'll have a lot more data about which products they like the most, what else they want to see. Um, And I can't wait to kind of be able to make decisions that don't only go from what our vision is for what should exist, but when also incorporates the feedback we're going to get from our customers. So that's, that's exciting to me because we're already starting to get it. And so many of their ideas are so good. (laughs) And so it's great to really have that communication between us and them. What an incredible interview with Jane West. She is such a powerful woman and I just loved her story and how she was able to explain that, you know, she hadn't been in the industry for a long time. She had uh, really wanted to solve a problem. She saw an opportunity and she was able to move with momentum. She found the right team uh, to do a lot of the things and what it shows, it shows that there's a lot of hard work that goes into building something and you've got to be passionate about 
what you're doing. And what I loved about talking with Jane is that you can see the passion. And I was definitely inspired and I hope all of you were too. So make sure you check out her website, janewest.com and follow her on social media because I think we're going to be seeing some amazing new moves with her over the next few months. And uh, Cannabis Business Minds, if you guys haven't already, make sure you go to calagia.com. We are launching so many new amazing things for our members. Um, So I'm really excited. You can go meet and list, uh, go meet other professionals and list your business on calagia.com. So that's K-A-L-O-G-I-A.com. Have a great week and I will talk to you all later. And thank you all so much for listening to Cannabis Business Minds. I'm your podcast host, Simone Samaluka-Radzins with Calagia. Connect with me on calagia.com and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to today's show. This is your host, Simone Samaluka-Radzins of calagia.com. I hope that you find this episode entertaining and insightful. My goal is to educate all of you about this exciting business because knowledge is power. If you haven't already, head on over to Calagia.com to connect with me and to meet other business leaders in the professional cannabis community. Also, if you like this, please go into iTunes and leave the Cannabis Business Minds podcast a five-star review. See you next episode.